and welcome to the Healthcare IT Today CIO podcast. I'm Colin Hung, stepping in for John Lin, who's the usual host of this program. We're excited to bring you the most practical healthcare CIO insights and perspectives. We know your job is challenging as a CIO, and we want to help you to be even more successful. Joining me today on the program is Rob McDonald, SVP of Strategy and Field CPO at Virtrue. He is also a former CIO at a numerous healthcare organizations. Rob, welcome to the program. It's, it's great to be here. I really look forward to the conversation. Uh, healthcare continues to be such a critical part of my past and the way I think about uh, empathy in this space. So I really look forward to it. I think there's a, um, I don't know if it's a saying, but certainly an axiom that's true. You know, once you've worked in healthcare for a number of years, you're never really truly leaving. It's a bug. It's absolutely true. And it's, it's, it's the mission. It's the mission that does that. I love that. It is one of the few industries where, you know, what you do has such an impact on people's lives and not necessarily yes. just the bottom line. Yes. Yes. That's what we all long for. Right. Isn't that correct? Yeah, it is. It's the original, it's the original uh, organization with, with true mission and true values. That's right. Right. Yes. Well said. Well, Rob, um, let's start by maybe giving our audience a little bit of background of, of who you are. Can you tell us a little bit about your experience uh, working previously as a CIO at a number of different acute care facilities? Yeah, absolutely. So that background looked like, well, when CIO was really a collapsed term, where CIO, CISO, big in the security and the IT and the operations, of course, that um, many hats now seen as many hats, which is great for those that are trying to elevate that space. But it was really in that acute care space where we were working on these full de novo uh, hospital and healthcare facilities directly uh, with patients in those regional areas. It was such an exciting time. And in that, in that era, we were you know, early to defining what information security and data security means in that space while, and this is important, this is why I think healthcare is so important in the security space, is that we had to kind of be out of the way of those caregivers. You cannot impose a burden on that user experience. If you do, they will tell you, of course, as they should, right? And that's translated for me. So this opportunity at Virtue came because I really felt that they were user-centric. They were thinking about, it's so critical. It's so critical to be uh, mitigate risk for an organization, but it's equally critical to think about who you're imposing that on. And they're one of the very few vendors at that time. I said, yes, I got to be a part of this. And today, uh, focusing on a lot of business and product strategy and kind of a market first, field first chief product officer trying to shape that vision. I like how you uh, you put it where in back in the old days, I, I count myself <laughs> like that as well. The CIO was a, was truly a person that wore so many hats, right? Yes. You were the chief security officer. You were the literally the infrastructure person. You were the apps and you they had to look after all of that and didn't have usually people who are specialized in any one of those. That's right. Whereas today, now it's possible, right? To have someone who's totally dedicated towards the cybersecurity and a totally different person looking after the operations. And absolutely. Um, I won't say the job is any easier than it was back it's then, not. but certainly it's certainly not. a little bit more divided now. That's exactly. <laughs> just, I think there's just more light shown on the fact that these are um, distinctly, but in, inextricably related fields, and there requires resourcing necessary in each of those disciplines to get the job done. So let's talk a little bit about data privacy. It's an area, obviously, that you're, you're spending more time in now that you're part yes. of uh, Virtue. Where should healthcare organizations start when it comes to data privacy? 
Yeah, I mean, look, I'm going to start where everybody's probably already heard this, but it's, it's still the right starting point, right? And um, that is, look, a, a clear uh, inventory, for lack of a better word, of where your assets and data are, are so critical. That's a starting point because that starting point then lets you ask the following question. Where did that data come from and where does it have to go to be meaningful for this organization? Because when you take into consideration the journey of that data, it's the mobility of data that changes the risk profile. And if you're just doing point in time snapshots only, you're not becoming aware of, okay, but look at this particular uh, service chain here. As the data moves through this, at this point right here, it's clearly way riskier to this organization. That is really important. And I think elevating that story um, institutionally is important because it gets people thinking about those boundaries where data moves where it becomes riskier. So I tell every organization to marry those two things and start right there, that inventory and awareness around the lineage of that data. Those two things will give you such a great roadmap for minimizing risk uh, for your organization. I really love two things you said there. One, that there is such a thing, some, such a thing as a data journey. I, mean, yes. I, don't think, I don't think we often think about, when we think of patient journeys, right? We think about clinical journeys. Absolutely. Uh, you know, the data journey equally important. And I loved how you said that the mobility of the data mm -hmm. uh, changes its risk profile. Yes. Um, that isn't something I usually hear or think about when I think about data, because I usually think about it at data at rest, right? Sure, uh, everybody does. And that's, and that's uh, absolutely, it's still an accurate view, right? Because that data does sit interstitially, right? Between these different journeys. But you said something really important, that user journey, everything within that um, healthcare service chain is um, is in our assets, both human and non-human that emit data, right? So that's why that data journey is important because it's directly and inextricably coupled with that human journey, that patient journey and understanding the two, um, I think both makes your operations better. It lets you be more effective at utilizing that data, but then on the security side and privacy side, understand that risk. Rob, are there any cost-effective strategies that organizations can deploy to that will help with data privacy that, that won't break the bank? Yeah, it's a good question. This is a tough one because uh, a little bit of empathy here. Every institution's in a different place when it comes to budget and constraints. So I'm gonna, so when, I, when, when I'm about to say what I'm about to say, I, I do understand that. So you, you do have to kind of level set this with where you're at. If the thesis around the data journey resonates with you, then it naturally makes you rethink your technical stack. It is, okay, what am I using to mobilize that data? What am I using to protect that data? Because the common denominator amongst all of these applications, especially in healthcare, as we're striving towards interoperability, we're striving towards uh, deduplication in, in, uh, of data because that is an exposure risk, right? Anything you can do around focusing around the data protection itself so that it moves with the data is going to give you compounding benefits later. So these are things like end-to-end -end encryption, right? Or these are things like um, better access control frameworks that gives you one common view of how your data is accessed across all those applications. Investments like that, because the data is the common denominator, they're going to give you economies of scale later. They're going to give you improved leverage later on mitigating that risk and, and, and supporting the business. Those are two things, right? Those are two sides of the same coin as far as I'm concerned. So I think starting with the data-centric view 
of your tool chain and what tool stack you're using is where I, I love to, uh, organizations to start. And it is, and it can be cost-effective because you don't have to boil the ocean. You can start with that philosophy in mind. That's my North Star. That's what I'm, that's the outcome I'm, uh, I'm, I'm trying to strive towards. So you just start piece by piece, uh, environment by environment, taking a more data-centric view. I think that's going to give you the best um, um, outcome later. So you mentioned that term a couple of times, this sort of data-centric approach mm -hmm. and the data-centric view. Yeah. Is, why is that so critical to zero trust in healthcare organizations? Like, is that a fundamental uh, policy around that? And, and, and where is it falling short, do you think, in healthcare? Yeah. So let me give you, uh, let me give you my opinion about the evolution of zero trust and the data pillar. Okay. If you think about how technology has evolved over the years, um, it isn't until recent years where technology and the experiences we can drive with technology have been such that we can actually apply some of these policies to the data itself. It's been too difficult. We've imposed, we, we impose too much on the user. It's too hard. That's not true anymore. Right. But if you look at zero trust as a, a, a way of thinking, a philosophy, it, you're you're applying a um, zero trust mentality to access to the data, but you're applying it to things that are around the data, right? A network, uh, an application, an endpoint, right? These are all things that give you access to the data, but they're not the data themselves. So the data pillar is just saying the closer you can get to that data, the better you can enforce the zero trust methodologies and principles. Because that is the that is the 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 base layer of of uh, your entire stack, the data itself. I have to ask you this because it's such sure. a hot topic these days. Is there a way or a proper way to leverage AI um, in, in this sort of space around security and privacy? Uh, absolutely. I mean. I think, you know, I, I take I try to take a very uh, thoughtful approach to this, uh, which it has detractors and it has uh, has benefits and it has uh, negatives. Right. That's just the reality of any technology. Right. The truth is uh, anywhere where uh, if you think about security and you think about all the telemetry and logs and the things that we're collecting in this space, all of that data that the human is a choke point. It is very difficult for a human to be very thoughtful about the massive amounts of data that are telling you about what's going on in your organization. There have already been innovations in this space, leveraging AI and machine learning to derive insights from that. I expect that to completely change the game in the way in which these uh, analysts and security personas inside of organizations can operate. It's about buying that human more time while reducing the risk for the organization, because this human is still the, um, the appropriate kind of analyst layer. But if that human has to take three, four, five months to sift through and derive the insights, well, you're already at risk. So I expect a tremendous amount more uh, innovation there. And the other is, I think, around appropriate access control and policy construction. There's no doubt that if you take a data-centric view, think about tagging the attributes of that data that tell you what that data is, and you have the elements of humans, applications, environments, time, all of these elements, mm -hmm. AI and ML is a really good tool to say, okay, at this point in time, what type of access control policy should be on this data element? I think those two things are going to, um, I mean, there's many others, but just real quickly, those two are really important areas where I think you're already seeing investment, and I expect it to get a lot richer in the future.
it, it sounds like where you're seeing AI could be deployed uh, successfully is really on augmenting the human being that's there right now. Like, you know, instead of the human being reading the logs and doing the filtering and doing the investigation for three months, you can get an AI bot or tools, then do that in a few minutes or a few hours, therefore saving a ton of time. And then, but, you know, it's really more to augment and allow that person to do even more stuff as opposed to turning over the keys yes. to an AI to do everything. Yeah, I, I think that's well said. I think we see that in the clinical space as well. Like, I, do do we really want AI doing all of the, the annotations and notes and derivation of diagnosis. No, uh, we're not there yet. But can we use it as a means to make that caregiver, that uh, that clinical operator, uh, more efficiencies uh, in that job? Absolutely, and we should. So that's why I say I think you know where we're at today is those are areas where I think um, are going to great provide a great deal of benefit and are already in some nascent spaces for any organization, especially healthcare. Taking a step down from AI, I want to ask you about automation, yeah. which, is, which is different than AI. Is, is there a role that automation can play to help organizations remain HIPAA compliant or to remove the burden off some of the security folks' shoulders? Yeah, I mean, this is this is a little bit like an 80-20-90-10 conversation, because the truth is, if you look at a lot of the work, you're doing that data journey, it all connects back, you're doing that data journey, and then you start looking at the data flows throughout your organization. Well, those data flows represent a context, and that context represents a certain uh, burden you need to place on it to maintain compliance, but even more than compliance, maintain risk reduction um, and, and and maintain your your position as a good steward of the data that you're managing for that patient, right? So those flows represent that context. Mm -hmm. And any automation uh, along that data journey in terms of enforcing the certain types of policy or enforcing the certain types of access burden are, are, are is one way in which automation is already playing a big role. And if you if you use it in context of that data journey more holistically around the flow. I think you have a better view of where to apply automation to get the most benefits. And when it comes to security and encryption and things like this. So we've spoken a lot about the tools, the technologies that can yeah. be applied here in data. I want to change it up a bit and ask you a question about the people and the policies yes. and, and, and really the culture. Um, one of the things we, we hear about all the time is security is a state of mind. Security needs to be baked into the culture of an organization how can a CIO at a healthcare organization do that? What, what, what are steps they need to take? What things do they need to do to, to institute security as a culture, as part of the culture? I love this question primarily because um, there were errors when I did it very poorly. Okay. <laughs> it's that simple. So right. and I like to say that, you know, uh, I like to say that security and privacy used to be a very punitive uh, modality, right? Where we would sure. be like, we would tell you don't do it after you've done it and not really educate you on why you shouldn't have done it to start with. We've seen a big shift here, right? So you see the way we think about education and awareness training. These are great moves in a direction that I think produces a better culture, which here's the reality. Um, you have a collective group of individuals in your organization behind a shared mission and goal of improving patient outcomes, right? Their jobs and their expertise sit within their jobs and their expertise, right? The deep empathy around that reality and a crafting um, a different view from a CIO and CISO's perspective around, okay, I am here to enable that outcome. This is a shared uh, um, um, approach to this and thinking about how we can adapt 
the technologies to um, their role, being empathetic to where they have to live. So I'm in this application. I'm in this particular set of applications or this desktop environment or this mobile environment. This is where I have to get my job done. Resetting, uh, realigning your goals, both from a security and a CIO perspective to their outcomes. I know this seems obvious, but we're not doing it. Setting your, out, your goal to those outcomes is what's going to create a culture of security because then it's going to be seen as a supportive technology. And that's exactly how we view it. A world where there's more security and privacy is one in which we're actually more collaborative and more productive, not less. So we got to shift that mindset, in my opinion, uh, to create a better culture of security and privacy. I, again, I like how you put that. I think in the past, security was seen as a burden to be placed on top of something you're already doing. What you're yes. saying is that, no, 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 you got to think of it as it's part of what you do because actually by being secure, it actually helps you. Uh, in your job. It actually helps you to achieve the goals that you're looking to achieve. It does. And taking a user-centric approach to the application of that technology, like we say this and we strive for this, but it's just, it's a, it's a difference between setting a goal, like that is my goal and knowing that I'm going to iterate towards it. Changing that uh, is what I think the big change in the industry is continuing that. If you can do that, there is, there is going to be baked in a culture of security because the company's not there to deliver a security outcome. Right. right. Security is a part of the business outcome. And that I think is really important. What topic, Rob, in your mind, in health IT is not being talked about enough <laughs> and it should be? Oh, I mean, there's so I mean, there's so many topics and I like there's a lot of people out there in the trenches every day with really good opinions on this. Right. I think. It, just speaking about the space in general, you know, you have a lot of heavyweights in the space that produce a lot of the tools and the environments which we all have to work through. I think we talk on the face about interoperability and data portability. I think that everyone's life is going to be better when that becomes a true unencumbered view of interoperability, not one vendor's view of what that means. So, and I'm not trying to criticize any of these vendors, like they are delivering a great service. So, I mean, I hope it's not taken that way. I think interoperability and those that kind of standards-based approach to data portability is good for everybody on the research arm and on the tip of the spear in healthcare, right? Because the more you can know about that patient, the better. In the exact same, exact same uh, vein though, um, rethinking the technical stack from a security perspective. We carry over budget um, like we have to, right? We, carry, we, we look at these budget line items, we have 11 there. We carry nine of them over every year because we think we have to. We don't. And this is, again, tempered by the fact that you have limited resources, limited people. But I think rethinking how we're investing our budget into uh, data protection, privacy is something that we would all benefit from. I think those two topics generally and moving to a more data centric view of a security model are two topics that I would love to see more public conversations about. Uh, and we, we see them. It's not like no one's talking about these. I just think that they give us more compounding leverage in the future, which is what you're always trying to do when you're building a long term strategy. Rob, final question for you. Yeah. As you look back over your career um, mm -hmm. as a CIO, now in the private sector, mm -hmm. um, you know what was the best piece of advice that you ever got in your career? I, I, I live this today and still I'm not always great at it, which is the following. Everyone has a perspective on how to achieve an outcome. You are not where they are and they are not where you are. We have to do a better job 
collectively realizing that there is a divide and that divide is just natural because we're different people and spending more time together, um, bridging that divide. Um, and I, I, I got that feedback probably more in my product and engineering background because everyone's got these great ideas, right? It takes time to dissolve, digest and deliver context to the other team members. Because if you can't get everybody behind a shared belief and how you're going to uh, create that impact, you just have divisiveness. And that is um, very, well, you're just never going to get to where you're going to go. That is probably the best advice. I still struggle with that today. It's so hard because you just have this idea you want to get where you want to go, but you cannot go there alone, especially in healthcare. I think healthcare actually knows this better than anybody in any given care team or any organization. There is such a collective um, support system in place for that patient, right? So on that substrate, on the healthcare substrate, it's working really well. I don't know yet on the security and privacy landscape, we're actually there. I still feel like there are a lot of um, pods of opinions where we're not really meeting everybody where they are and helping them understand how this can help them and then delivering that value. So that, that device in my career, I think applies at a macro level for security and privacy. And uh, hopefully we can continue to break down those barriers. Rob, you've shared a ton of great information with us today on the program. Where can people go to find out more about you or connect with your company? Yeah. I mean, so I wish that's a virtue V I R T R U.com. I, uh, would love to let, have everybody take a look at that and see what we're up to and, and see if the, the mission that we articulate is uh, relevant to you. We hope it is and uh, would love to chat with anyone about that. Rob, well, hey, listen, thank you so much for taking the time today and giving us this perspective and a little bit about your history. I truly enjoyed listening to it and I'm sure our audience will as well. I really appreciate it. And uh, thanks everyone for taking the time today. Hey, if you enjoyed this episode as much as I did, we'd love for you to check out more great content at healthcareittoday.com. I'm Colin Hung. Back in the chair next week will be John Lin. Thanks for being here. We'll catch you on the next episode.